prayers in that. But Hilary, read Matthew 20. Matthew 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour, he asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping, because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Thanks, Hilary. When you feel um, overwhelmed, what do you do? Um, Perhaps you're overwhelmed with sadness. And perhaps some of us here are overwhelmed at times with anxiety. And perhaps some of us are just overwhelmed by the temptations that we face as we journey through life. And some of us are overwhelmed at the moment by the relationships that we find ourselves in. And some of us are overwhelmed by parenting. Some of us are overwhelmed by caring for parents. And some of us are overwhelmed by the quantity of things that we have to do. Some of us are overwhelmed this morning because of the lack of things that we have to do. But when you feel overwhelmed, and I'm sure that all of us can identify with that, where do you turn? What do you do in those moments where you feel overwhelmed? Well, as the Lord Jesus faces the most overwhelming moment of his life, He turns to prayer. Did you notice that in our reading today? The Lord Jesus turns to his Father in heaven for help. See, look at verse 38. Jesus confesses to his closest disciples, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow. The translation perhaps is a little bit weak. It, It feels the deepest of grief. And so what does he do? Verse 39, going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed. In his most overwhelmed moment of life, in his perfect humanity, Jesus reaches for prayer. 
And actually, it's, what is overwhelming Jesus in this story isn't his impending physical death, as horrific as that is, as overwhelming as that is, that would test even the most hardiest of people. Actually, what's overwhelming Jesus in this moment is the spiritual suffering that he is about to endure. Suffering that comes from what he calls in this chapter, drinking the cup. Did you notice that as we read verse 39? Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. That is what is overwhelming him, this act of drinking this cup, whatever that is. And then again, verse 42, he went away a second time and he prayed, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken from me, what is it that has overwhelmed Jesus's spirit in this moment to the point where he says, I could die? It is the drinking of this cup. Now, in some ways, that is simply an expression, if you read through the Bible, for my lot. You know, Jesus knows what's about to come up, and he could be referring to his, his lot, this thing that he's about to do. But actually, it's got a deeper meaning in the Old Testament. To drink from the cup is a cup of God's wrath. God's righteous anger at the way that humanity has treated God. Um, Let me just put up on the screen one example from Psalm 75. It says this, In the hand of the Lord is a cup full of foaming wine mixed with spices. He pours it out and all the wicked of the earth drink it down to its very dregs. And we could have picked for other verses. What is overwhelming Jesus in this moment is that as he walks towards the cross, as he journeys to this climax of his ministry, that he's about to drink the cup of God's wrath at the sin of humanity. He's about to drink to its dregs the cup of God's anger that I should be drinking. And it is this cup It is this moment, it is this act that causes Jesus, verse 38, to say to his closest disciples, my soul, my very inner being, who I am, is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Now this morning, friends, we could could just linger there. We We could hang around that truth and we could say, wow, Look at it is. Look at what Jesus has done for us. He's taken this cup and he's drunk it. And in a few moments, we're going to come and we're going to remember that together. But if you just allow me this morning, what I want to do is just look at something else that's going on in this chapter around these monumental moments of our salvation. And I'd like to stand back and I'd like us to look at what Jesus does when he's overwhelmed. I'd like us to look for a few moments at prayer. You can't read the Gethsemane story, can you? And and ignore the fact that it's a story about prayer and the lack of prayer from the disciples. You see, Jesus, in his greatest moment of being overwhelmed, turns to pray. He practices what he preaches. Matthew chapter 6. 
Many of you will remember, if you've been on the journey with us, that Jesus, uh, with his disciples, he teaches them to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Does Jesus teaching his disciples to do something that he himself doesn't do? No, Jesus, when he's overwhelmed, reaches for prayer. And I don't know this morning what your relationship to prayer is like. Um, some of us here might be fair weather prayers. <laughs> Do you know what I mean by that? We, we sort of just include a bit of praying in our life when everything's just chugging along normally and we're all happy. Some of us might be the opposite. Some of us might be crisis-only prayers. We might be the sort of people who only reach for prayer when life gets tough. Some of us might be here this morning and we, we know we should pray more. We feel that we should pray more. And now you're going to be sitting there thinking, oh no, not another sermon on prayer. And I'm just going to walk out of here and I'm going to feel guilty again. Some of us really struggle with prayer, don't we? Some of us struggle to see the point of prayer or the effectiveness of prayer. Some of us in this room carry the deep upset and hurt and question marks over unanswered prayers. And wherever we find ourselves this morning, this incident in Gethsemane of our Savior Jesus reaching for prayer, I hope will encourage us to do the same. I hope this story will shape the way that we pray as we head into the week. I hope this story will encourage some of us that prayer is not a waste of time. If it's something that Jesus reached for, if it's something in his humanity that he thought we should do, then friends, it should be something we do too. And I hope this encourages on our journey. Now, not to make your heart sink, but what I want to do this morning is I want to make seven lessons. (laughs) Seven lessons about prayer from Gethsemane. You up for seven lessons? Sounds good. Here we go. Seven lessons from Gethsemane about prayer. Here is lesson number one. Okay, let me get it up on the screen. Lesson one, pray in overwhelming circumstances. What can we learn from our Savior? What can we learn from the disciples about prayer? Number one, pray when you are overwhelmed. Look at verse 36. Let's dive into the story. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and, what does it say? Pray. Now, if you've been with us through Matthew's gospel, you'll know that that the cross, what's coming up, is not a surprise to Jesus. He has been talking about this. He has been planning for this. He has been walking towards this moment. And yet, as he walks towards this most overwhelming of moments, what does he plan to do? He plans to pray about it. Look at verse 37, 38. He, he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee uh, along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Jesus is feeling the deepest of grief. He is feeling it in his very being, what he is about to face, to the point where he says, I'm overwhelmed to the point of death. Now, he could mean here that he's overwhelmed because of his death that's coming, or he could mean here that it's so much, he feels so much aching in his being, it's like he's going to die. And I want to say to some of you this morning, have you been there? 
Have you been to a place where, where you are hurting so much that it feels like you're, you're going to die? It could kill you. And if you have, then I want to say to you this morning, take a deep look at Jesus. Because here is our Savior. Here is one who has tasted of our humanity. Here is one who knows what it is to have a soul that is in the deepest of anguish. So much so that the writer to Hebrews can say this, for for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. And you say, well, how do we know that? How do we know? Well, read Gethsemane. But we have one who is tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Or again, the writer to Hebrews can say, because he himself suffered when he was tempted, when he went through trials, when he had anguish of soul, he is able to help those of us who are being tempted. Jesus knows what it is to be overwhelmed. And where does he turn when he feels overwhelmed? He turns to prayer, doesn't he? Look at verse 39. He sets himself away slightly from his disciples, going a bit further from them. He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. In this moment, he turns to his Father in heaven and he pleads with him. He is honest with him. He pours it all out to his Father. And I want to ask you, do you think Jesus thought prayer was a waste of time in that moment? Do you think he had question marks whether this would do anything in his life? When you are overwhelmed, pray. Pray. Do as our Savior did. Pray. Plan to pray. Set aside time in those feelings of overwhelmed to pray, to seek our Father in heaven. That's lesson one. Lesson number two is this. Invite others to pray with you. Invite others to pray with you. In this moment of feeling overwhelmed, Jesus brings Peter, James, and John in close. Did you notice that? He, uh, look at verse 38. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. To his closest friends, his closest disciples, he said, will you pray with me? Will you stand with me? There's that little phrase at the end, keep watch with me. Now the call to keep watch is literally the call to stay awake. Now sadly they didn't do very well at that task, did they? But he's really calling them to pray with him, to stand with him, to support him in this moment of all that he's going to face. In moments of trial, who are your Peter, James, and John? Who can you invite in close to pray with you, to stand with you? I think we can have such private lives, can't we? And I'm not saying we have to kind of announce it at the front of church, but we can be so private sometimes that we we bear those overwhelming moments by ourselves. But Jesus didn't do that. He said, Peter, James, and John, will you keep watch? Will you pray with me? Invite others to pray with you. 
Lesson number three. Pray with submission to God's will. See, so look at verse 39. See, so he, he's in, he's praying, he's on his face before his, his heavenly Father, and he prays, my Father, if it is possible, verse 39, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Now, it's here in the Garden of Gethsemane that you begin to see an interplay between Jesus' human nature, fully human, and his divine nature, fully God. See, Jesus, in praying like this, is, please don't misunderstand it, he is in total submission. He's in total um, unity with his Father who wants to see this cup taken away from humanity. You know, he, he's one with the Father that he loves us so much that he wants us to avoid the, the wrath, the punishment, the judgment we, we deserve. He's not dividing himself from the Father. Now, this prayer is a prayer where you get a, a glimpse into his humanity, into his human nature. He's not praying, Father, can we, can we just ignore all those people in the world? Can we just do something different? No, he's saying, is there another way? As he faces the prospect of his physical and his spiritual suffering, he says, can we make some alternative arrangements? We're getting a glimpse into his humanity here. He'd rather not go through the physical pain. He'd rather not face the spiritual pain. And he's honest with his father in heaven about that. But look at how he prays. Look at how he ends his prayer. He says, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus prays with submission to his Father in heaven. He submits to himself to the path that his Father chooses him to walk. See, here is a man who practices what he preaches. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 when he teaches his disciples to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He teaches disciples to say, God, we want what you want. We want your plans to work out. We, we want to be in tune with what you want us to do. And again, he prays the same, verse 42, doesn't he? He went away a second time and he prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. You know, if, there's, if there's no other way that we can save humanity together, then unless I go to the cross and I drink of your wrath, then Lord, what you want be done. See, Jesus knew there was no other way. And so he submits himself to the Father in heaven. And friends, wonderfully, it is because Jesus submitted to his Father that, that we in this room, who trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, will never face the overwhelming sorrow to the point of death that our sins deserve. You know that? You will never face that overwhelming sorrow that Jesus faced in that moment because Jesus submitted to the Father. But that doesn't mean that we will not face times of sorrow. And in those times of sorrow that overwhelm us, then we must learn to pray like Jesus prayed. We must learn to pray, your will be done. 
There will be times when we find ourselves on our faces pleading with our Father in heaven to take away this hard thing that we're facing. But we need to ask for God's help to pray, your will be done. Um, a, a pastor from the late 1600s called Matthew Henry, as he was grappling with this for his own life, he said this, that though we may pray to God to prevent and remove an affliction, yet our chief errand and that which we should most insist upon must be that he will give us grace to bear it well. It should be more our care to get our troubles sanctified and our hearts satisfied under them than to get them taken away. It takes going on a journey with Jesus, doesn't it, to be able to pray like that? I'm definitely the sort of person who would pray on my face, Lord, take this trial away. But as we progress in our Christian life, as we become more like Christ, we learn to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, and when we learn to pray like that, we're learning to pray in a way that trusts our Father in heaven implicitly. And when we learn to pray like that, we're learning to recognize that in God's great plan for our world, that what he's working out across the course of history is that the path he chooses for us to walk may sometimes take us through the pain of the cross, but it ends in resurrection. Will we learn to pray as Jesus prays? Will we learn to pray with submission? See, many of us have the pain of unanswered prayer, don't we, in our lives? But can I say Jesus does too? If you want someone to help you in those moments, Jesus knows what it is to pray something. Take this cup from me. Did the Father do that? No. The book of Hebrews tells us he was heard. He offered up prayers and tears, and he was heard. But he submitted to the Father's will that took him down the path of going to the cross. Will we learn to pray like Jesus, even in our sufferings? Father, your will be done. Lesson number four. Are you still going? Are you still alive? Still with me? Lesson number four. This passage teaches us to expect prayer to be a struggle. Expect prayer to be a struggle. Look at verse 40. So Jesus has prayed. He's poured out his heart to his father. Then he comes back to his disciples. Verse 40, what does he find? He returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He found them sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. The disciples that had so boldly declared just a, a chapter earlier that they would go to the cross and they would stand with Jesus. They would, they would die with Jesus. Well, they couldn't even stay awake for an hour to prepare for the cross with Jesus, could they? They couldn't pray. They were not watching, but they were sleeping. They were praying. They weren't praying. They were napping. And that happens three times in the story. There's this iteration, maybe perhaps to reflect the three denials of Peter. And in the disciples, what we have here is a mirror. It's an uncomfortable mirror to look in, but it is a mirror that shows us ourselves. We see the weakness of the flesh. See, look at verse 41. That's what Jesus calls it. Watch and pray with me, he says, so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, 
Now, that's not the Holy Spirit. That's just your inner desires. Your, your desires are there. You're like, I know you want to stand with me, he says to his disciples. I know your heart's in the right place, but your flesh is weak. And so what we see here is that prayer is genuinely a struggle, isn't it, for people with flesh like us. It's a battle to stay awake, to, to stay alert in the battle with temptation is a struggle. It's one that Jesus wins, and it's one that we often lose. And so friends, as we learn about prayer from Gethsemane, I want to say to you, expect prayer to be a struggle. And I just want to say there's a strange comfort in that, isn't there? <laughs> it's a weird comfort, because you kind of think, well, we're supposed to sort of probably think the disciples haven't done something very well here, and they haven't. But actually expect prayer to be a struggle. It's a strange comfort to those of us who literally at times fall asleep while praying. Let's do a quick survey. Anyone fallen asleep while praying? Yeah, that's good. It's not just me then. Um, my wife tells me that sometimes when we're praying before I go to bed, I actually fall asleep halfway through my prayer and then wake up later and continue the prayer <laughs> sometime at like three in the morning or something. So, uh, but we do fall asleep sometimes when we pray, don't we? Like the disciples. It's a struggle. We find ourselves distracted when we pray. You know, which of us, if, we, if we're prayers in this room, hasn't started praying for something, but then thought about, oh, I've got to do this a bit later, and I've got to do that thing too. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And I just want to say to you this morning, if that's you, what, what do we default to? Well, we give up on praying, don't we? I'm just rubbish at it. But actually, the very fact that it's here in this, this story it is meant to encourage us. No, it is a struggle. It is a battle. So don't give up at it. Keep working at it. Prayer takes effort. It takes practice. It takes the work of the Holy Spirit in us. Are you finding prayer a struggle this morning? The disciples did too. And look to the one who stayed awake. If you are struggling to pray, ask Jesus this morning, help me pray. You stayed awake. Help me stay awake. Help me be alert. Lesson number five. Prayer is our defense against temptation. Prayer is our defense against temptation. Look at verse 41. Jesus says to his disciples, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus makes a link. Please don't miss this. Jesus makes a link between our prayer life and our ability to resist temptations that come into our lives. Every day, every day, temptation after temptation. You'll know the reality of that. And prayer is where we draw our strength to say no to sin and yes to God. And Jesus and the disciples illustrate that in opposites in this story, don't they? Jesus fervently prays, wide awake, three times. He cycles prayer, help me, help me, your will be done. Three times the disciples nod off. They don't pray. And what happens as they walk away from Gethsemane? Jesus walks towards the cross. He faces his temptation and he overcomes because he says, your will be done. The disciples walk out of Gethsemane and they run away from Jesus. Prayer 
says Jesus, is where we find our ability to say no to sin and yes to God. Prayer is our defense. You know, Jesus believed it to be so. That's why he did it. And Jesus proved it to be so. The question is, will we? Will we do it? Are you struggling with the temptation? Then pray. How many times have we fallen into temptation in this room because we have not kept close company with our Father in heaven and asked for his help? Lesson number six. Prayer can be repeated. Prayer can be repeated. Look at verse 44. Um, So Jesus left them and went away. This is on a third cycle. Uh, Once more, and he prayed the third time, saying the same thing. Now, you might think, oh, well, it's just telling us what Jesus did. But listen, I want you to take note of that. In his being overwhelmed, we're told that Jesus prayed the same thing three times. He kept going back. He kept repeating himself. When you pray, do you ever feel like you're wearying God by asking him the same things over and over again? Do you feel like that? Do you ever feel like you're wasting our Father's time. Oh, Father, I know, it's, I know it's the same request I made yesterday. I know it's the same request I made last week. Do you ever feel like that? You know what? Jesus didn't feel like he was wasting his Father's time. He didn't, he didn't say, well, I've prayed it once. I said, I'm ready now. Jesus prayed the same thing over and over again to his Father three times. He even said it. He repeated the same words. That's the, literally what the language, Greek language says there. These repeated prayers of Jesus give you and me an invitation to do the same. To just keep going back to our Father and to ask him the same thing over and over again. To say the same things, to raise the same subject, to make the same requests. Our Father does not weary of hearing us pray. Please hear that. You know, sometimes it will be longer than an evening. Sometimes it will be years and years and years of praying for the same thing. But Jesus allows us an invitation to pray the same things. You ready for lesson seven? Here we go. This is it. Lesson number seven. Prayer gives us strength to face hard things. Look at verse 45. And 46, how the story ends out. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come, and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Just look at the boldness of Jesus after he spent time in prayer. He moves, doesn't he, from a man who's like, Oh, Father, could we make alternative arrangements? Could we, could we perhaps do this another way? To finding his temptation to, to walk away from the cross to a man who stands boldly with his disciples and he says, rise, let us go. Not, oh, let's get out or let's get out of here. Look, here comes Judas across the Kidron Valley. We can see all the torches. No, he says, rise, let's go face him. Let's go face this thing. His ability to do the hard thing of running towards the cross came because he prayed. He drew strength from his Father in heaven. 
And Jesus models to us that it is through prayer that we find strength to face our hard things in life. That crisis, that treatment, that diagnosis, that relationship struggle, that conversation that you need to have. It is through yielding ourselves to the will of our loving Father in heaven that we can say, rise, let's go. Let's face this hard thing. Seven lessons of prayer from Gethsemane. In his most overwhelming of moments, Jesus prayed. In his humanity, he shared our troubles. In his humanity, he believed in prayer. Just, I mean, please just clock that. That's the thing that struck me most this week, if I'm honest. In his humanity, in living the life that we should be living, he really believed in the power of prayer. You know, when he was overwhelmed, he didn't go down to Waterstones and look for a self-help book. He got on his face and he prayed. He practiced what he preached. And my question for us is, will we follow his example? Will we be people who pray when we are overwhelmed? And this morning, if you don't yet know the Lord Jesus as your saviour, if you don't yet know him as the one who drank the cup that each of us deserves, then I want to say to you that following Jesus begins with prayer. It begins with getting on your face and saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I have filled a cup with your wrath that I deserve to drink. Thank you that Jesus bore it for me. Please save me. The Christian life begins with prayer. And friends, the Christian life goes on with prayer. And may God help us to do that together. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we first of all this morning want to say thank you for Jesus who drank the cup of your wrath that was intended for us. We thank you for his example of prayer. Please would you help us to be people of prayer. Help us to believe in prayers. And may we experience the fresh help and courage that comes through prayer. Father, we know that your word says not to put you to the test. But we ask, Father, in some ways that we would test this out this week and find you to be faithful to your words. And we pray for help in our sleepiness to stay awake in prayer. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, wonderfully, in our trials, uh, we can sing, We're Never Alone, because Christ is with us. So let's sing that together, and then we'll come to the Lord's table uh, and think of all that Jesus has accomplished for us. Let's stand and let's sing.